Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, a space for the spiritually curious to explore faith in new and meaningful ways. Open your heart and mind and journey with your host, Luke Bricker, into greater spiritual freedom. I recorded a meditation for your podcast, so we had a conversation that's podcast style, and then I recorded a meditation, and I didn't realize that it was going to be put on like insight timer yeah and i just i gotta tell you uh at that period of time i recorded that meditation very whimsical because you were like hey man uh would love to get that meditation and get it all posted and i'm like oh yeah i need to do that and i just like very whimsically did it like on my couch while my wife and kids ran to the store. Like it was very impromptu, impromptu riffy, which is kind of, uh, my thing. It's very Uh, Zen. It is very Zen, but also, uh, can sometimes be chaotic at times and undependable. (laughs) So I apologize. Well, no, I mean, (laughs) that was, that was a really popular, uh, popular episode. People loved that. Uh, the fruits of the spirit, I think it was called. Yeah. yeah. And, and people really, people really loved that and, you know, asked for more. So I, it it got me thinking because my wife, she, this past summer, she says, Hey, I didn't know you were on insight timer. And I was like, I don't think I'm on insight. You know, she's like, I typed in fruit of the spirit and you were the first one because I didn't know it was you. And I started playing it and she like laid down (laughs) and like got herself prepared. And then it was like her husband's voice. You know what I mean? And she was like, completely took her out. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, And uh, it was just really, really interesting. So, uh, and then I, I didn't know it had like all these comments and I'm like reading through the comments and so I forgot like one of the fruits of the spirit or whatever, because I was riffing. I mean, you know, like I, I should have been a little bit more prepared for that. And somebody was like, you know, oh, you, you forgot this or I learned it in this order. And I was like, I should redo that at some point. I don't know. Maybe it's good as it is and it's imperfection. But um, I mean, the Insight Timer crowd, like a lot of them are like fantastic. Like they're just really great people, really appreciative and then, like, you know, one out of every 20 comments you get, somebody's like, you know, it's it's like reviews for anything, you know. It's like sure. one star, audio is too loud or something like that. Right, yeah. It's like, okay. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, people do get finished, especially I do feel like sometimes in those circles, like, it's ironic that much of the spiritual path, if not all of it, is about humbling yourself, ridding yourself of ego and judgment, right? Mm-hmm. But some of the folks that I've run with in these circles are the most like finicky and judgmental folks of like oh yeah. So many, you know, and not to talk shit or anything, but just really No, like, talk uh, shit, man. I'm all about it's, it. <laughs> it's interesting. Just kidding. It's just interesting to me, you know. So um well man, I'm curious to uh, we were talking a little bit before we got started recording just about how the Methods podcast has taken an evolution, it seems like. And like I was saying, um, if anybody's listening that's been following uh, the Methods Instagram for a little bit of time, it's definitely been able to explore a lot of different ways and methods of encountering 
meditation, contemplation. Um, and so that has definitely evolved, you know, since whenever we first crossed paths. And so I'm curious if you can just speak to a little bit like the initial heart, the initial intent with starting methods and then sort of this past couple years of you pursuing that, what, what that's looked like and what's been the influence for its evolution. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I've always been an introspective kind of introverted person and I've always had kind of that rich interior life. And so I've always been drawn to the, the esoteric side of things rather than the, the exoteric, the outward expression of things. I've always been drawn to the inward. Like, I mean, when I was little, like I started reading Harry Potter and, and then I, wanted to know what was underneath of that. And I'm like, oh, magic, what's, you know? And so I started looking into the only thing I had access to at the time with Windows 95, which was, you know, some geosite stuff on like Wicca. And so I started doing that. And then um, as a, you know, growing up in like a Methodist household, that didn't fly. And so I kind of had to like hide, hide my stuff. Like I created like a false drawer and had like stuff <laughs> hidden and they found that, and then they were like, okay, that's not going to work. Did they make you burn and, it? Oh, yeah. It was actually pretty <laughs> yeah. traumatic. It was, really? Yeah. And, um, and then I started doing martial arts later on, you know, the exoteric, and then I was like, okay, well, what's underneath that? And so I started going into, like, Buddhism and Zen Buddhism, and I read The, uh, the Unfettered Mind by Taquan Soho, which was, like, my first foray into, like, into Zen, and... Um, they and my family ended up, you know, becoming like evangelistic. They converted to a non-denominational church, however that yeah. works. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they so uh, common. Yeah. Was this in the like early two thousands? Maybe. Yep. Or, yep. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. So common. so I kissed dating goodbye, and you know, did the whole the whole spiel, and uh, and so they they made me you know get rid of all that stuff too, and then uh, I got saved, was like super Christian for a while, then became disillusioned with it. Like most people do. Um, especially who are, are more thinkers or curious people right. like yourself of wanting to see what's deeper, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, it's like, you know, you're trying to, I'm always trying to go deeper. And so I was trying to dig deeper into that and I realized, Oh, there's like, you know, solid metal here. Like there's nothing deeper. Like it's just, mm. that's it. And so then I left, and um, and then uh, years later I started going to a, a small uh, cooperative Baptist fellowship church called the Restoration Project, who the pastor is an Old Testament scholar, and that was really helpful for me to like reframe Christianity, and and so they began doing these little meetings called methods where they would explore like Christian contemplation and different things like that. And so that kind of drew me back to my, my Zen days. And, um, and then I realized, okay, the, the deeper thing that I was longing for in all these different things is in Christianity and it was there the whole time. And so I wanted to, you know, start, uh, putting the method stuff out publicly that way people like me, excuse me, people like me that were more interiorly oriented could find the wisdom that's in that tradition that is just not known to to most people and 
so that's where it started. And then from there, um, I ended up separating a little bit the Methods Project from the church because I wanted to take it into a interspiritual, interreligious dialogue kind of um, direction, looking at, you know, Islam, looking at um, Buddhism, looking at Taoism, looking at um, all the great faith traditions, different philosophies, postmodern philosophy, um, Altizer's Death of God philosophy, um, liberation theology, all that stuff. And that kind of, probably for good reason, you know, was seen to be like, this might be a little too abrasive or heavy, you know, for the people that that church serves. And so I just kind of ran with it. And then now I'm kind of, now that I've explored a a lot of different methods, a lot of different paths and traditions, um, I think I'm moving into a space where it's not specific to a particular religious path or spiritual path, but kind of seeing them all as facets, as a more cohesive, you know, image of reality where, um, where everything belongs, you know, as Richard Rohr says. And, uh, and so the, the one direction I'm going into is that, uh, the methods are a trap ultimately, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like all methods are traps and there are ways that we convince ourselves that we are working on ourselves, that we're becoming better, that we're becoming closer to God, that we're, you know, achieving and gaining. And, and that's, that's the, the wrong perception in my opinion. Um, totally because it's, it's all a game of subtraction. There's nothing, nothing to achieve, nowhere to go. Um, yes. nothing to find. It's how it's can you all... get closer to something that is the fabric of your very essence? <laughs> you know, what I mean? right, right. <laughs> how do you, yeah. And so I think like the, like you were, like you were alluding to the, um, the, the people, a lot of times that are in contemplative circles can be very judgmental and, um, full of ego. And I think that that's because, uh, there's, there's something missing in the conversation. And I've, I've talked to other people about it too, because um, people will talk about like how wretched St. Augustine or Augustine is and, um, you know, like the idea of original sin and like it's terrible, you know, like throw it out, this and that. And I mean, I didn't know the guy, so I can't, I can't vouch <laughs> for him. But I do think that there is something to be said for not skipping a step. And, mm-hmm. and to me, there, the step that gets skipped, you know, it goes from, uh, you know, Christianity is the only way to heaven, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody else is going to hell, fundamentalism. And then it skips to, oh, no, uh, I'm one with God. Everything's fine. Uh, everybody's going to heaven. There's no problem here. And the step that gets skipped, I think is the, the step of, of no self, you Mm. know, you can't, you can't go from, Oh, I'm an individual self to I'm one with God. Like there is no individual self that is one with God. Like you can't skip the no self, Mm. you know, process because 
because this, this, the very identity of the self, that boundary that we put up between me and you, between us and another species, between us and inanimate matter is just an arbitrary separation between uh, what is. And so we're yes. cutting up reality into bite-sized chunks so we can make sense of it and digest it. And so I think once the, the boundaries of the self are dissolved then the union with God is just something that is seen for what it is. And and so lately, A Course in Miracles has been really helping me like put Christian yeah. language to um, to that, you know, Advaita Vedanta, like the non-dual perspective of mm-hmm. everything. And so sorry, I'm kinda I'm kinda rambling on and on. Did you have something? Dude, no, this this is awesome. I it's I think that's a, such a crucial part is is to not skip that, and, and I think exactly what you're talking about is true. We've not handled the the issue of of the ego, or even maybe that's even a poor way to say it to making a deal of the ego. You know, I don't know. It's it's a unique thing, um, but I'm curious how a course in miracles has been fitting into all of this, and. Uh, it, not that I'm shocked necessarily, but I'm curious how or why you wanted to help put Christian language on it. You know, like it seems like you've been exploring and going, putting on these different understandings. What's the, what's the draw to maybe looking into that or, or re-embracing some of that? If you are, I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, it's helpful for me because that's just my conditioning. Like, you know, I can I can read the Upanishads or the the Bhagavad Gita or um, the Dhammapada or whatever, and you know, gain what I can gain from it as a white cis hetero Westerner. You know, like a very narrowly defined cultural lens. But I was also I was raised that way, and so certain metaphors and structures are just ingrained in my conditioning and so they're going to speak to me in a more direct way sometimes than than others and and so I know a lot of people are in the same boat and yeah. and like you said like you know a lot of people in those contemplative circles still have a lot of ego and so like we think we're playing the game but the game's playing us in a way yeah. and yeah. you know like people that I know that are like way more knowledgeable than me on the history of the Christian tradition. And they, you know, they know all the feast days, they know all the saints, they know like all the, the names of each desert father and where they grew up and you know, what year they died and all this stuff. And, uh, but there's still a lot of ego, which to me is the whole, the whole crux of the issue. You know, the ego Mm -hmm. is, is based on separation. And so, a Course in Miracles kind of, it reframes non-dual wisdom in a Christian way in a really, really simple, like, format. Um, and it's like, it's kind of direct, so you kind of have to, like, learn the language of the book. Yeah. But um, one of the things that that really stands out um, is that uh, nothing real can be threatened, uh, nothing unreal exists. Mm. And so, you know, just a really small snippet of a phrase that when you get into it, it really 
recasts a lot of stuff in a different light. So like the idea that um, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing real can be threatened. So anything that can be threatened, whether that's my idea of myself, whether that's my uh, family, whether that's my uh, job, whether it's this or that, anything that can be threatened that uh, that gives a spirit of fear is unreal. Yeah. So so again, like whenever I notice like that I'm uh, feeling threatened or that I'm afraid of something, I can recognize, oh, that's not real. Like yeah. that person that's, you know, occupying my body, the ego, uh, having a fear about something is ultimately not real. And yeah. so, and then the flip side of that is nothing, uh, nothing unreal exists. So like nothing, so the ego doesn't exist because it is characterized by seeing fear and threat and lack. And then what really exists is, is God, is love. And so mm-hmm. once you take away what's not real, all that's left is what's real. Yeah. 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 That, what a, I mean, to get to that point though, to where you are experiencing that in real time, like, cause I mean, I'm tracking a hundred percent and I, I feel so aligned with that. And that's been my own experience of, of venturing into that. I'm curious for someone who is in a place of deconstruction right now, where they're just taking it all apart to not just bypass that step and go to the other. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, what are ways that you have taken or that you've observed that can help people move more in that direction Mm -hmm. and hand and really exploring that and to get into the, the, the illusion of, of the self that, and the transcendence of who we are as beings, as being unified with God, and then ultimately being incarnation of God right. into this world to participate in healing and all of these justice and all, all of the beautiful things. But I think getting into this notion before we get sometimes into the action of what can happen. Because I think like the ego is what happens. It gets in the action, what I've sensed. And um, some people might give me some backlash for this, whatever. But venturing deep into the progressive circles, it's like, well, this is just as much, if not more rigid than mm-hmm. what I've experienced and have come from. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because um, largely we've forgotten that uh, it, spirituality, in my opinion, um, whatever is going to manifest itself in the physical has to first take root in the spiritual. It's like, like Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks. And I think mm-hmm. in addition, from the abundance of the heart, the hands do, you know, from the abundance of the heart, the affiliations are made or, you know, whatever right. it might be. It's whatever's inside is what, what materializes and manifests. And I think that sometimes we just try to quickly associate, you know, like people in deconstruction, we reevaluate, rethink, deconstruct. And then immediately we're like, ah, this, you know, and like I'd latched on to progressive Christianity for, mm-hmm. for a while as a sort of antidote to that, but never, well, not never, but in the midst of dealing with the ego and the self through it, you know? Um, and so anyways, kind of rambling myself, but I'm just kind of curious, uh, 
how that has been for, for yourself. Cause what you're talking about is some sort of self, um, looking at yourself first, going through some of that, doing a lot of the, the internal work that has to be done that then eventually manifests itself outwardly, um, in other ways. Um, do you feel that same way that people have a tendency to do that through deconstruction? Did you have a time too that you felt like you were trying to latch on or have seen that? The Spiritual Nomad Podcast is a ministry of Current Collective Church a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to holding space to experience the divine in healing and transformative ways that enable us to live into the fullness of a truly abundant life. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider a tax-deductible donation to support our ongoing effort to reimagine spiritual community. Visit thespiritualnomad.org give to contribute today. Thank you for your support and partnership. went through my deconstruction what happened was I you know as interiorly as I'm oriented I went even further in you know I was like you know lock the door throw away the key you know no one people were knocking on the door like hey is Jory in there and I'm like (laughs) no answer um but a lot of people that I was with um specifically uh one person in mind um, who I won't mention, but um, they were going through a similar transition. But instead of going inward, they went outward because mm-hmm. it was all about identity. And so, you know, we identified as this person, this uh, Christian person. And then we realized, oh, no, everything we were told is bullshit, basically. Um and, and so that identity goes away. And so what a lot of people do then, like you said, is just attach to the next best thing, mm-hmm. which is usually the opposite of that. But it's not that, you know, if you go in opposite direction, you're still attaching to, a, to an identity that's not yeah. you. And so I saw that with, you know, people that I was, that I was close with that, you know, it was this move towards progressive Christianity, which meant not that uh, the judgmental attitudes that characterized conservative or evangelical Christianity um, were no more, but just that they were pointed in a different direction. That, yeah. you know, the judgmental attitudes were not pointed towards. Uh, you know, Satan worshipers anymore, but it was pointed believers, unbelievers. It was pointed, it was pointed back towards the backward, you know, uh, impressionable people that had got caught up in that. Well, that was you, like that was me. Like, and so Mm -hmm. when we judge other people for what we experienced, we're just judging ourselves. And so, it's it's just it's it's a complicated form of self hatred I think, mm. and um, and so for me, 
uh, I was kind of going through a way that didn't make sense to a lot of people. Like specifically one person, um, I say that I, I went through a lot of karma yoga with this person because um, they were just generally a very difficult person to mm-hmm. get along with. And um, and so I was using that as a doorway for myself to, to grow spiritually. Like I was trying to, you know, whenever something happened that like just set me off or like, you know, was like difficulties, you know, relationship wise, I would use that as an opportunity to practice kenosis, to surrender. And, uh, and so it was, it was very effective for that. Um, but how it manifested was like, we were at a whiskey tasting one night and, uh, and there was all these very fine, like single malt scotches. Um, and you know, we, we'd each have a dram, try another one. And, uh, he would then ask me like, well, which one's like better, this one or this one, or like, which one's, which one's your favorite out of these two or these three or whatever. And at the time, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a diehard, you know, Scotch fan, but <laughs> I do enjoy, I do enjoy a dram. And, yeah. and so I was like, well, this one's really good. And this one's also very good. And this one over here, that one is also very good. And, you know, like I was like, I I viewed each one of them as their own thing. And, and so there was no like hierarchical difference in that for me. And that's a really simple example of the mindset of like non-judgment, you know, each, each thing is one taste and, uh, that made this person very angry, I think, because we want our own states, our own inward states to be reflected out there. And yeah. if it's not, then then we get pissed off. And so yeah. if you're and judgmental... And we get mad at other people that don't have the same palate that we do, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, so for me, like, forgiveness has been huge. And mm. as far as, like, drawing that back to the, the Christian tradition, like, how that works in my life now is that forgiveness isn't asking um or it isn't it isn't seeing something uh or overlooking something let's say it's not overlooking something that happened like you know oh you did this to me um and it really sucked but i guess i'll forgive you or like I'll forgive you so that it makes me feel better or like, you know, whatever. But forgiveness is a paradox because it asks you to forgive what no one ever did because Mm. the person that did that thing was just attacking their own self, attacking their own projections. Right. And the person that received that insult was just a projection of your own mind. And so nothing really happened. And yeah. so, and so that's what forgiveness is, is seeing the, the inner nature of, of the person, uh, that you perceive committed the, the harm and then you who received it as just illusions and, and then everything becomes just really laughable because there's no one, there's no one to be offended. There's no one to, to be hurt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause nothing that's real can such be a growth. That, that, but that within itself, I think is what, uh, you know, good old Paul's talking about spiritual maturity. 
and I think for me, what I hear you saying is, is what I would definitely agree with is on both sides of the equation, there's just a lack of growing up in the understanding of the self in the universal Christ and, mm-hmm. and what this means for actually living and moving and having my being in the world, you know? Yeah. And we just trade one offense for another and one party for another. Uh, and, and sometimes I think that that can serve a purpose for a, a particular period of time. Um, but at some point, like, I do think it's maturing in a sense of uh, self that understands ourself as being unoffendable people of peace. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and to me, it's, it's not necessarily the easiest thing, but to me, it's the simple things as I circle back to Jesus and I circle back to my, my Christian faith. I'm like, Oh, it's all of the very easy stuff that like I passed over in search of like the really hard theological stuff, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And it's like, all of that is now the most difficult teacher to me, you know, in those things. It's like, how do I understand, like what you're saying, forgiveness? How do mm-hmm. I understand the self? And, and that's the that's the hard part that, that I think is the step that is being skipped largely and is we've moved over that sense of trying to um, do that and, or even trying to even improve ourselves or better. I was just listening to Alan Watts talk about um, the futility of, of self-improvement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause who's <laughs> and, doing the, uh, who's doing the self-improvement? It, it, he says the very, the very voice that is uh, saying that you need to be improved is the one that needs improved. What do you do then? You know? Yeah. And uh, so it's like in the same way, the, the one that is offended, what do you in the mind is the very one that also does the offending. So yeah. now, what is, what are you left with? Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, it's good stuff um, for people to explore as they are deconstructing. Um, so as you've reformulated some sort of faith, how do you think you, you um, are putting things together? What are the things that you feel like are the most beneficial and, um, you know, helpful for, for your growth? I, and once again, that seems linear. Um I know all of this is not very linear. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to talk <laughs> about mean, too and put in it, words. Yeah. How do you, how do you articulate the mystic side of things? I, I did a podcast earlier with the uh, guy named Marshall Davis, who does a podcast called the Tao of Christ. And oh, there's a I've, few I've times. That, yeah. yeah it, really, really sweet guy. And <laughs> a few times we're like, how do you, how do you articulate the idea of unitive awareness? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but I mean, as we invite people into that um, to some degree or another, I think it's helpful, especially if we think back to, and we're always deconstructing to some degree or another, but that real uh, nitty gritty sort of deconstruction where like theological things are coming apart at the hinges and stuff um, as what has been helpful for you as you've kind of found some sort of path that feels like balance to you uh, in life? And then what would be some of the things that you might relay to others who are, are in the, the midst of it right now? Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say never, uh, never settle on one thing. 
you know, uh, never, never let the, the, the grass grow under your feet, I think is what people say. Um, yeah. because if you, if you stay with one thing and get stuck in that rut of familiar concepts, eventually they'll lose their meaning. And so you like, like, uh, Gurdjieff says that, you know, like methods or, or theology or spiritual practice or whatever are just alarm clocks to to wake us up to to who we really are Mm. and um as most people know like once you have the same alarm for some time you start sleeping through it and so you kind of have to keep finding new alarms to to wake you up Mm, and so and so that's why i try to just perpetually do iconoclasm with you know like okay what's my conception of god let's bulldoze that and because and a lot of people say like oh no you have to like reconstruct you know you have to you know build like a new box and everything and i think that's that's true to some aspect but you have to be careful who's the one building the box Mm. you know what i mean like if it's your ego then you haven't fully deconstructed yet and because the reality is that after deconstruction like or once you once you fully deconstruct even the idea of self, then there needs to be no temple, mm. you know, because the spirit of God is what exists. It's what is, yes. and so it's it's uncontainable. And so um, the second thing is uh, find a spiritual director. Like, mm. I mean, that's probably not for everybody. I guess. But for me, that's also been very helpful as someone, again, who's super interiorly oriented to have someone else that's in a position to just keep pointing you back to yourself. You know, when you yeah. when you get lost in a concept and you think, I am this concept or I am this belief or I am this thought or I am this political alignment or I am this... Uh, socioeconomic class or gender or whatever um a spiritual director can be the one to keep pointing you back to yourself um Mm. and as the course in miracles teaches god only has one son and and that's i say son in a non-gender specific way but uh you know a lot of people balk at that you know like only one son like no we're all it's like no but you're not because if you're speaking from the ego, then God knows nothing about you. Mm. And God only has one son and you are that, meaning that who you think you are does not exist, mm. you know? And that's yeah. that can hurt for a lot of people, I think, but it's yeah. it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's essentially entering into, uh, or at least trying to begin to peek into that true self that is like Christ is the universal Christ, the one that is in all, you know, like Christ in me, the hope of glory. Right. So in, I've not ventured into the course of miracles. My wife has some, that thing is, I, I, I take that back. I did venture into it. And then I was like, like I do with most things, I, I get really into it for like a week or two. And then I'm like, onto something else. Now I I'm always in like so many different books and it's, uh, you know, 
if we want to talk about uh, ego or whatever or personality uh, enneagram stuff, I'm a seven, so I'm very whatever is in seems uh, fun and enthusiastic and uh, stirs at me in that way. I will certainly just completely leave whatever I'm doing and just go do that. You know, right? Yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's it's good and bad. You know, all all mixed up together. Um, but the point is, I was in Course in Miracles and then. Uh, started the venture away from it, but if I'm not mistaken, uh, when you're talking about the one, the one son, this is something that is more of a, um, not necessarily the the man of Jesus of Nazareth who who walked on around and on the Sea of Galilee, right? We're we're talking about something way more transcendent than that that is alive even still today. Is that yeah, yeah. right no, to it's, say? It's before before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. You know, that the existential poetry of, you know, the Hebrew scriptures. And uh and I think that's that's somewhere for me where Christianity and uh Vedanta kind of meet up because there's in both of them there's this emphasis on on the I am, you know. And, mm-hmm. and to me that, that is, that is God's son, that is Christ. And yeah. that's the, the unconditioned, you know, there's nothing that it depends on. And so when we realize that that is our true nature, then we realize, okay, that means that there's nothing that my inner nature depends on. So right. I can be killed and, you know, I can be slandered and I can be, you know, uh, beaten to a pulp, but, uh, who I really am is not dependent on outside factors. And so once you realize that, then like your attachments and your aversions don't really mean anything anymore because they're just functions of the ego, you know, that's the, the the, I've understood now it's just, this is preference, you know, this is whatever. And like, to use the whiskey, like, oh, okay, like, this is, this is what this incarnation uh, thinks tastes good, and right, doesn't yeah. need any other one to agree or disagree on that, right. that fact, you know? Yeah, the, I think the, is it in the Tao Te Ching that says, uh, or it might be one of the, the Chinese uh, fathers, but um, enlightenment comes quickly for those who have no preferences, Yeah, you know, and... Yep. So not not that you can't say, you know, like you said, like this this incarnation enjoys dark chocolate, not milk chocolate. But yeah. you know that you're you're not identified with it, you know. You're sure. the you're the observer, you're the awareness that's unconditioned. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's really good. It's a it's a complete in the full sense of its term, a rebirth. It's a born again, I think, sort of experience to mm-hmm. enter into this. And I think that we are entering into an age, hopefully, when we are seeing a sort of awakening happen, you know, which awakening or enlightenment or Jesus used born again. I mean, all of these are terms for becoming aware of the fabric and nature uh, of who who we are transcending, you know, the flesh or the self or any of this. And, and I, I think that there is that happening right now. And um, I hope that that it's something that we're able to really see, like come to some sort of fullness. I think it's something that we need to see in a sort of 
big born again experience, not conversion experience. You know, we've been disillusioned with born again experiences being a conversion, Mm -hmm. but a true renewal of, of the self in terms of its Christ nature, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I, I think we're on the, the brink of that right now of, of people understanding. I love Jesus talking with Nicodemus and Nicodemus is like, do I crawl back in my mother's womb? You know, he's very like logical about <laughs> it. And Jesus is like, no, you're, it's, it's, you're born from above and where the wind blows, you know, nobody knows where the spirit is, but you know, it's this very sort of you know, uh, esoteric understanding of, of what it means to enter into the abundant life, you know? Um, and he talks about being born again from above. And I think that, um, on both the conservative and liberal side of Christianity, I, I, my hope is, is that we're growing into some sort of collective born againness. Um, cause it seems like almost every day I'm seeing people venture more into this sort of mystic understanding than any other affiliation. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe, you know, my algorithm's just so set up to tell me what I want to see in here. But Right, yeah. <laughs> but I'm curious, like, uh, do you do you get that sense too? Do you feel like there's, like, something that is really happening that is transcendent right now? I think, uh, I mean, obviously in the United States, we're, like, super polarized on basically any issue from big to small. Um and so I think we're, we're, there's some errant data in the, in the feed that's like uh, throwing off the, the numbers, like you said, um, because like Richard Rohr says, you know, oppositional energy only creates more oppositional energy. So, yeah. so we're seeing it just like multiply and multiply. And, um, but I think in the, the larger, like, you know, like the Teilhard de Chardin, like scope, you know, our ego was something that evolved that, you know, we've inherited uh, Mm -hmm. our sin from Adam, you know, our separation, you know, this egoic identity that evolved as a survival mechanism for us and served its purpose. I think now we're uh, starting to evolve out of it and, And I hope that that's true um, because, I mean, the, the true meaning of religion is religio, is to religament, to reconnect. and yes. to bind together. To bind together. And, yeah. and you know, the, the opposite of that is, is, you know, diabolos, to throw apart. And, and that separation of ego and the unification of uh, non-self is, is, I think, the direction we're going and, like, Julian of Norwich says, you know, both the fall and the recovery from the fall are are all grace. And yeah. so once we can get to, to that hard pill, you know, once we can swallow that one, that even our, what we perceive to be separating us from God is also grace. Mm-hmm. Then, then like Ramdas says, like, it feels like you're cheating, you know, yeah. when, when even suffering is is grace, you feel like you're cheating. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I love that. Oh, Ram Dass. Yeah. If only, I, I'm, Lindsay and my wife and I were talking about what Ram Dass would be saying just about 2020, you know? Yeah. Would lo- just so wish that it, that we could add his wisdom through some of this too, man. But, I mean, 
anyways, uh, so as we wrap up, I'm curious, um, just with, with meditation and how that has been informative for you, if someone, um, is wanting to explore that and experience that in early stages, um, what would be some good resources, some directions to point them to? And then also how has meditation uh, really been a key player in, in this for you, you know, for some sort of reconstruction or balance in life? Yeah, um, I definitely recommend Insight Timer um, because, I mean, it has all the method stuff, obviously, but then it also has just a bajillion other guided meditations and um, – those can be really helpful at first, um, but I think definitely once you've got kind of the the gist of you know of of how meditation works, um, definitely just use the timer feature and uh, you know have it ring a bell and then twenty minutes later ring another bell, and because it can be easy to just listen to a guided meditation and have it take you through what it needs to take you through. But, um, a lot of times that, that leaves a lot of work to be done. So, so if you've got time, like, you know, do your guided meditation and then, you know, leave another 10, 15 minutes of silence onto the end. Um, but because the silence is, is where we really are, uh, aware of, of our thoughts and our body and, um, when we're listening to a guided meditation, we can only hear, you know, the person's voice and what they are trying to direct our attention or thoughts to. But I think the the real work happens when there's nowhere to hide. You know, there's no uh, there's no music to hide in. There's no uh, thoughts or, or person directing us, uh, directing our mm. thoughts. It's just the phenomenon of our thoughts and our emotions and our body happening because when we're at work or when someone cuts us off on the way to work, you know, there's no, there's not going to be always a, a person, you know, like Will Smith on the, the guided meditation app going, all right, now just release that, you yeah. know, and uh, <laughs> like, that's not, that's not a real life thing. And so you kind of have to to learn what that experience of, releasing and letting go is like on your own and so centering yeah. prayers is definitely a way that, that that can can uh can help it's more of like a receptive modality um christian meditation is also a really great one that i love um because it uh for people with really active minds um it definitely helps to entrain the thought by giving the attention and object to focus on. And then once the attention's already wrapped up in that object, then the awareness can kind of be watching it. So you start off doing the mantra and then after a while, you're just watching the mantra being done. And yeah. and then after a while, the, the mantra is doing itself and you're just awareness. And, and so it's a trip, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so anything like that I think is super helpful. Yeah, so good. Well, as we wrap up, uh, is there anything uh, you want to push right now? Anything you got going on? Any Anything you want to invite people to participate in? Um, new episodes coming out of the methods? Anything like that? 
Yeah, I just uh, I just released one on um, the Dark Knight of the Soul because that's a something that is has a lot of misconceptions um, with like the deconstructing crowd and everything. Um, and so I did I did one on that. It's more of like a, a reading and then like a short meditation at the end. Um, soon, time permitting, I'm also going to be doing a uh, seven part series on. Um, uh, St. Teresa's interior castle. Mm. Um, and then I'm also going to be doing a nine part series on, uh, the Enneagram of, of awakening. Um, so kind of looking at the Enneagram, not from a personality fixation or psychological perspective, but from uh, a deeper, more like non-dual perspective. Mm. I dig that. That's so cool. So that'll be coming in 2021. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome, man. Jory, thanks for your time and, and, uh, sharing the wisdom from your journey. And, um, it's been too long, I think, since we've done one of these. And so hopefully we'll have you on again and chat some more. And, um, thank you for joining the spiritual nomad podcast again, my friend. Yeah, man. Thank you. listening to the spiritual nomad podcast as always we would love for you to subscribe leave a review and share this channel with a friend if you would like to financially support the spiritual nomad project visit the spiritualnomad.org give to contact luke you can email him directly luke at the spiritualnomad.org or send a direct message on instagram until next time grace peace and love